reading this morning is the letter to the Hebrews, the Jewish people. And you can find this on page 1203 in the Church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, God's rest, still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later, he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Maureen. Well, it's a pleasure for me to welcome Nigel to come and preach to us. Um, You may wonder, who is Nigel? You may know Nigel already. Actually, Nigel, actually, there's a few things that link us, but one of which is that he taught Jo while she was studying a number of years ago. Is it a number of years ago, Jo? Quite a number of years ago uh, in Gloucestershire. They They live in Cheltenham. And also, as part of the link as well, which is delightful as well, is that Nigel um, was part of a church plan that Paul was also um, a number of years ago, just in Cheltenham as well. So Nigel spent some time with us yesterday, with us preachers, and, and so we're delighted you've come to preach this morning. Would you like to welcome Nigel as he come and preaches to us this morning? Do you want to say anything else, or shall I leave you to do the rest? 
plenty of time. <laughs> Great. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Am I connected? Sounds like it. Well, if you have a Bible, you might like to have it open at Hebrews 4. Then if I tail off, at least you'll have something decent to look at for a few moments. In uh, Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion, or My Fair Lady, if you prefer, Alfred Doolittle uh, takes after his name. He is one of those people who does as little as possible throughout his life. That is why, actually, he is a dustman because it's not real work. In fact, it's easier than real work, and in fact, in Shaw's days, dustmen only collected ash dust from people's fires. There were no garbage collections. But in contrast to people like Alfred Doolittle, many people in Britain work far too much. They are constantly stressed from overwork, which damages their family and their social life. A survey which has just been published this year shows that as many as 40% of people living in Britain today often feel tired, and half of them said they had less than six hours sleep. In fact, I was listening on the radio that the government are going to bring in recommended times for sleep for us, as if uh, it's getting more and more a nanny state every day. The Royal Society for Public Health highlights the fact that in consequence of this, more than half of all workers in Britain carry out their employment at 50% of their capacity. We are apparently the sick men and women of Europe. I was reading that the psychologist Norman Vincent Peale wrote, America has now become so tense, so nervous, that it's been years since I've seen anyone asleep in church. <laughs> and you may think just because you're retired, and I've just been retired a few months, you may think, well, life will be much less pressured. But in actual fact, we just create different tasks for ourselves. Probably too many of us are a bit like Alice in Wonderland. We're always looking at our watches. We're always running somewhere in a hurry, perhaps even like the white rabbit muttering, oh dear, oh dear, I shall be late. Now, this experience of restlessness is common to all of us from time to time, whether we're Christians or not. We quickly fall into being multitaskers who flit from one thing to another. Then we get tired and then we get stressed. And we find ourselves a bit like Christian in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, much tumbled up and down in our minds. The problem is there is a limit to how long we can go on living like this. Eventually, we'll get to the end of our rope. So we might ask, well, what hope is there? How are we going to find rest in our spirits and in our minds and emotions and our bodies? Well, this wonderful chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, offers us some real answers. In fact, it's pretty well all about how we can find the rest which Jesus alone can give us. This letter actually was originally written to Jews, as we have heard, who became followers of Jesus they had found his presence a real joy. They'd found a new outlook, a new purpose, and then suddenly things began to pile up. The road was a bit uphill. They were getting a bit persecuted, and they were struggling. And so the apostle is writing to them to encourage them how to find that rest that Jesus alone can give us. And the first thing he says here is we receive that rest by believing that rest, believing God's promise of rest. One of Jesus' most well-known promises is in Matthew 11 and verse 28. 
He said, come unto me, all you who labor and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Do we believe that Jesus can really give us rest in our spirits, in our minds and bodies? And if we do, have we come to him and asked for that rest in our lives? So the question is, do we believe it? If you look at verse 1 in this passage, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of us fall short of it. Then he goes on in verse 2, and he reminds the people, he reminds his writers, his readers, he reminds us that it was of no value, this promise of rest, because they did not believe it. He says here in verse 2, they did not combine it with faith. So we've got to know not only that Jesus is the giver of perfect rest, but we've got to believe it, and we've got to trust him and ask him to bring us that rest. Jesus, our Savior, is the ultimate source of rest. Even King David knew that the Lord is the only source of rest. In Psalm 62, verse 1, he wrote, My soul finds rest in God alone. St. Augustine, the North African bishop, once wrote, O God, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. So how do we experience this rest? It is by believing that Jesus is the source of it and by coming to him and asking for it. Verse 3, it says, Now we who have believed enter that rest. If we are walking with Jesus, if we are seeking his presence, if we are taking time to be with him, then we will begin to find that rest in our lives. So if we find ourselves under pressure in a tense situation, then we have to say, Lord, I am going to trust you in this moment. I am seeking you for your rest. Lord, give me that rest. I believe that in you I can find rest. If we believe that Jesus is almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, surely it's not too difficult for him to bring rest into our lives. So whenever we get into a situation where we're feeling restless, where we're feeling stretched or tense, then we must reaffirm our, our trust in Jesus. And sometimes we have to take ourselves in hand and in a willing way, in an intentional way, and we'll come to that in a moment. If we're about to go down under the anesthetic, Lord, I am trusting in you, your presence for rest. If we're about to take off on a flight and we're not very good flyers, Lord, I am trusting you. If we're about to rebuke a rude neighbor or someone who's parked their car carelessly, Lord, give me that rest. I need to rest in you. Trusting a person is one thing, but it also involves obeying their instructions. And I think the second thing that the apostle is telling us here, that if we want to know God's rest, then we have to obey his command. And if you look at verses four to eight in this passage, it's about the Lord's people failing to go in with Joshua into the promised land. And they didn't get that rest, they didn't get into that promised land in verse 6 because of their disobedience. The Lord is the giver of rest. He works, but the Lord also rests. We are created in the Lord's image. And uh, therefore, we should expect that we need to rest. If God, our creator, needs to rest, then we need to rest. And it's interesting that in the creation story, in Genesis chapter 1, God made man and woman on the sixth day. 
That means that their first day, man and woman, was a day of rest. And so if you look now at verse 9, it says there is a Sabbath rest. There is a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And so if we want to have rest in our lives, then we've got to adopt this principle of one day uh, in seven, a Sabbath day of rest. The fourth commandment to keep the Sabbath day for rest is not an optional extra, it's actually a requirement which is good for every one of us. Jesus was adamant that the Sabbath was made for man. In other words, it was primarily for our benefit. Of course, it's for his benefit as well as we come and thank him for his blessings, for his presence, for his help, for his strength and hope and all of those things. Now, of course, not all of us can rest on the Sabbath day, on the Sunday. In fact, Anne and I have just been in Corfu looking after a church there whilst the incumbent was having a holiday. And many of the people in that congregation can't actually work on Sundays because they're involved in the hotel and uh, in the tourist industry. But there is a principle here. We need to take one day of proper rest every seventh day. Significantly, in the time of the French Revolution, they tried to run on 10-day weeks, and they found actually the production and the usefulness of the, uh, the economy went down. So we need this pattern. It's inbuilt into our lives. So keeping Sunday, keeping this Sabbath day of rest is important. It's a regular thing that needs to be built into our lives. People who work too hard, who break this work-life balance, uh, eventually end in catastrophe. Because if you start to break the work-life balance, it's shown and it's a very well-known fact in upper management strategy today that if you break the work-life balance, what happens next is that you start to break other moral barriers. Your relationships break down, marriages fail, you begin to treat people with abuse, you become control, controlling person uh, because the time uh, at your disposal gets less and less. So it's very important that we follow this commandment. So we need to be people who build in rest into our lives. The great 16th century Puritans and 17th century Puritans in England obeyed the principle of working conscientiously six days, but they were very concerned and rigorous in taking a rest day. It doesn't have to be a miserable day, it can be a fun day. Uh, we need to do things that are relaxing. And I don't think Jesus had gloomy Sundays. Um, we know that he walked out, he with his disciples, he uh, plucked ears of corn on the Sabbath day, um, he certainly ate and enjoyed life, he no doubt fished and went out with his friends on the Sabbath day. It was also clear that if there was an emergency and your donkey fell into a pit, well of course on the Sabbath you attend to it and you take it out. But he stressed constantly, the Sabbath was made for our benefit. Unless we're resting physically and spiritually and our sense of his presence will be diminished. A competition was held between two men to see who could fell, fell the most trees uh, in a single day. One man was much older and experienced, the other was a younger man but much fitter and stronger. He worked continuously for eight hours and cut down a total of 25 trees. In contrast, the older man who was cutting down similar trees in the forest took a 10-minute break every hour and ended chopping down 40 trees. The younger man was particularly shocked by this 
and uh, asked the older fellow what was the secret of his success. And he replied, well, every hour I sat down for 10 minutes. First, I took some rest, and secondly, I sharpened my axe. And there's a lesson in history here, I think, for us, that we need to have that time of rest, those times we set apart when we pray and draw on the Lord and sharpen our axe. If you look at verse 10, it says, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. So in other words, if the Lord of creation found it necessary for a pattern of rest on the seventh day, we need to do the same. And right near the end of this passage, uh, the writer urges us to do something that at first sight seems a bit of contradiction. He says we must practice a, pre a pattern of rest. We must, he says, strive to enter rest. It's almost like a contradiction that we've got to strive in order to get rest. But if you look at verse 10, it says, but anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. And verse 11 is even more intentional. Therefore, he says, let us make every effort to enter God's rest. When we're really busy, when we're on that hamster wheel of activity, things don't just happen. We don't just get off the hamster wheel. We have to take some intentional action. Let us therefore make every effort for those times of rest. We don't get out of the fast lane without being deliberate. It's going to take some consistent pattern uh, uh, to um, make sure that we get that rest. John Calvin, one of the great 16th century reformers, wrote in his book, The Institutes of Christian Religion, believers are to cease from their own works and allow God to work in them. The 17th century mystic Francis de Sales said to a lady who'd come to ask her, him to give her some spiritual direction, I will start giving you spiritual direction when you have begun to walk more slowly, talk more slowly, and eat more slowly. So if we're in the fast lane, that's not the lane the Lord is in, and we've got to make some effort to get out of it. You may say, well, my schedule is too demanding. Well, we chose it. We can change it if we want. To experience total rest of body, mind, and spirit requires sometimes a little bit of discipline. Sometimes we have to completely stop and drop everything that we're doing. Winnie the Pooh, wisely counseled, do nothing. Nothing leads to the best of something. And on another day, he said, people say nothing's impossible, but I do nothing every day. I had a thought about that, and if you're doing nothing, it's a bit hard to know when you've finished doing nothing. <laughs> but maybe when you're retired, it doesn't matter anyway. It used to be said that um, nothing works better than aspirin. So the answer is, do nothing. Um, let's remember that first and foremost, we are actually human beings. But many of us, you would think, are human doings. But we are human beings. I'm coming to a conclusion, conclusion now. I like to mention Winston Churchill from time to time. Uh, he said that one of his great secrets as a leader was taking regular rest. He recognized that many of the great world leaders of his day tried to impress the world with their heavy schedules as if the world would collapse if they weren't around. But Winston Churchill always took time for relaxation. 
at Chartwell, his family home. He would go off sometimes for the weekend. He would engage in painting, writing, and sometimes dry stone walling. He also loved the Kent countryside. He always felt a day away from London was never wasted. So sometimes we need to be like Winnie the Pooh and just sit in a deck chair or just do nothing for a while. And uh, we'll find then we'll perhaps begin to reflect on what is all about and begin to seek the Lord for his rest. So the message for today, by the way, if you haven't got it, is that we need to take rest and we need to have rest built into our lives. And if we don't have that physical rest, we're not likely to get the spiritual rest as well. And above all, we must realize that our Lord Jesus is there and he is the God who rests. And we need to seek him and be in his presence to find his rest.